I'm Susan Branscombe, and this is Leading She. I did turn over the helm temporarily to an individual that did not have that empathetic spirit or soul. And because of that, they were pretty consistently disparaging to their direct reports. And that trickled down and throughout the organization, creating somewhat of a cancer within. Mm-hmm. You know, as I was dealing with my cancer without, they were dealing with a cancer within. And I didn't realize how it magnified because nobody wanted to share. Everybody was being very protective of me, which I really, really respected. And I loved that. Oh. But I should have taken more time to really make sure the culture fit was there. The person mm-hmm. was incredibly capable, incredible, I would argue, much more brilliant than I am. Mm-hmm. But the culture fit almost destroyed the company. Marsha McVicker is founder and owner of Errand Solutions, a WeBank women-owned company. A born entrepreneur with boundless positive energy, Marsha has built the company through providing excellent service and meeting the needs of companies and their employees. While only 7% of newly founded companies are still in business 20 years later, Marsha's company has endured many challenges by constantly adapting to change. She encourages entrepreneurs to not give up and to just keep swimming. A self-proclaimed control freak, Marsha uses the practice of meditation to deal with anxiety and has found it to be very helpful. We talk about the pandemic's effect on business and women as well as what she has seen firsthand around racism with her adopted 12-year-old son, Max. Today on Leading She, I welcome Marsha McVicker, who is a founder and CEO of Aaron Solutions, a company based in Chicago. Welcome, Marsha. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, great to have you here. Marsha founded uh, Aaron Solutions uh, about 20, 21 years ago. It is a woman-owned company. Uh, you have the WeBank designation, right? Correct. Yeah, I did too when I had my company. Aaron Solution offers a B2B level employee and patient wellness benefits platform that allows employees to get their to-do list taken care of while offering employers insight into what matters most to these employees. The platform can aid in anything from finding a tutor for a child, helping relocate an aging parent, or even identifying a reliable dog walker. Aaron Solutions has handled more than 7 billion tasks for more than 4 million employees. What started out as a white paper for a college student competition turned into a business idea, which went on to win a business plan through a competition. Marsha collected feedback from local Wisconsin business owners, raised money from individual investors, and landed her first client, Kraft. So you got the big fish right away. (laughs) I did, but it was borderline stalking in order to get it. Yes. (laughs) We do what we have to do, right? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. To accelerate the growth, uh, Marsha completed uh, the entrepreneurial master's program at MIT, informally known as the Birthing of Giants. She's been featured on MSNBC and MSN Business on Maine and was interviewed by Robert Reich for National Public Radio's Future of Success series. Marsha was inducted to the UIC Entrepreneur Hall of Fame, recognized as one of the fastest-growing companies by Fortune 500-5000, and is chair of FEJ, a Haitian foundation run by Haitians to create sustainable communities. And we're going to talk about your um, 
work with the foundation and the nonprofit. But uh, let's start by talking about anything you'd like to talk about with your company, what it does, the success you've had 21 years as an entrepreneur. You started as a uh, you went to University of Wisconsin at Madison and, uh, and and did this college paper and turned it into a business, right? Yeah, go Badgers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm in Ohio. I, I'm in Ohio State. Oh, no. Sorry. We won't have go there. We're yeah. going to have to end the interview now. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I think the colors are, are close to being the same, but that's about it. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> So, yeah, tell me about tell me about Aaron Solutions and what you do, the growth, um, and um, how you've done it. Um, only seven percent of businesses which start are still in business twenty years later. How have you done it? Oh, perseverance, for yeah. sure, and yeah. passion. I mean, I am very fortunate in that I stumbled into a business that I absolutely adore. Um, we're very mission driven. Uh, we're all about making people's lives easier. And so by there's a lot of joy in that. And one of the things that has always fed my spirit and my soul are the feedback loop. You know, thank you so much for, you know, helping me with this e-learning pod so I could continue to work during the pandemic. Thank you so much for identifying where my aging parents can get a vaccine Mm -hmm. and coordinating that and allowing them to get there safely. So those types of things just, I mean, it just keeps the engine going, you know, and I can't believe it's been, you know, two decades. I mean, my son will always tell you that, you know, he's the second child and uh, it's true, but it's been, it's, it's been a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah, they they all are. I had my company for seventeen years when I before I sold it to Northmark, and there are roller coasters. There are good days and there are not good days. And uh, we're going to talk about your son too. But uh, your clients are companies; they're not empl- the employees directly themselves. You go to companies and say, "We can make your employees happier by taking care of the things that they don't have time for." Is that right? That's correct. Um, happy employees are productive employees, focused employees, and engaged employees, which mm-hmm. result in engaged, you know, clients for our clients. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason nobody's really heard of us is because we white label everything that we do um, at all of our large, yeah, which means that. that we go, yeah, we go in as part of the company culture that we serve, and we allow those companies to brand us how they want to brand Mm. us. So, you know, the companies that we work with are Fortune 500 companies, as well as large healthcare systems. Mm. And they have very established cultures. And we seamlessly fit into those cultures. Mm -hmm. And we do that by blending in instead of being a standalone organization. Mm -hmm. I see. So uh, Texas Health or some, some, one of your customers might uh, label you as Texas Health uh, employee benefit of some kind, and and so you're sort of behind the scenes. You're not really known as Aaron Solutions, then. Correct. However, during this pandemic, we've seen a huge shift. So our utilization of our services has grown by about two hundred percent. A lot of that has been driven by this 
change in how we're working. And work and life is much more integrated today than it's ever been before. And we've helped employees navigate that change, whether it's setting up their remote offices or um, arranging for ways for their dogs to be walked while they're on forever Zoom calls, yes. um, whatever, whatever it may be. Uh, we've seen this huge increase. And because of that, it's forced us to evolve mm-hmm. radically. And we're actually going to be changing our brand because we are no longer running errands. We are really uh, an elaborate middleman um, with pretty interesting people-powered technology at our heart. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of an exciting transformation that we're in right now. And most of our clients, their employees are downloading an app and using us via an app that we developed oh, okay. called the Love Your Life app. The mm-hmm. acronym is Lila. And that's going to be our new brand moving forward. So I'm announcing it here. <laughs> okay. This is an exclusive on Leading She. It's an exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> Love your life. Yes, I like it. Um, yeah, interesting uh, Interesting company, what you do. Um, I was wondering about this. It, in, in the uh, research I did, you talked about uh, employers getting insight as to what matters to the employees. And then I wondered about confidentiality. You know, how, yes. how, do, you, how do you manage that? Like if my company said, hey, Susan, we can help you with, you know, your aging parent. I may not want my company to know about my personal life. I mean, how, how, does, how is that managed so that confidentiality is preserved uh, with Absolutely. employees? We value confidentiality above all else. Mm-hmm. In fact, we will never resell our data. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, we're, I think, very unique when it comes to that. Um, but we do aggregate our data for our clients. So we're not going to say, oh, Susan, aging parent just went to this particular facility. We will say, that 30% of your employees requested assistance with their aging parents this week. And we think you potentially might want to expand your benefits in that direction. Ah, interesting. So it's really like having artificial intelligence around, you know, big company and then knowing what's going on with their employees based on the services you provide. But individually, the confidentiality is not compromised. Absolutely. And AI is such a key driver in how we're evolving. I mean, we want to help you in a very proactive manner. So we're often making recommendations based on your profile, based on your user history. That's very forward thinking. You know, for Mm -hmm. example, we know that uh, your dog is approaching an elderly phase in life and we might suggest that you um, have certain supplements around to help with their aches and pains, mm-hmm. um, that type of thing. Yeah, you're suggesting that to the employees, uh, which mm-hmm. is not your direct client, but uh, and, and then providing the information to the employer around w- what, in, in aggregate, what's going on with their staff. Exactly. I see. Okay. Like, really cool. Um, and you talked about the pandemic, which uh, we are in 2021. The vaccines are coming in. We're getting vaccinated, but we are still in the pandemic. 
And uh, you talked about your business changing radically. It's not, you know, it's not unlike a lot of other businesses that have changed, not only radically, but quickly. Um, yes. and, and you believe that women have been the hardest hit more than men during the pandemic. You're not alone there. And that this pandemic is, quote, wearing down the human spirit, I believe is what you said. And yes. uh, how, how so? How do you believe this has affected women? How do you believe it's wearing down the human spirit? First of all, our data shows it. Um, so the overwhelming outreach in regards to mental health on our platform and to um, our people on our team has really been a wake-up call about the state of um, the human psyche during this pandemic. We have never seen requests that have been um, so dire in regards mm. to their children mm. and their children's suicidal thoughts, mm. their aging parents, wow. and the isolation that they're facing. Mm -hmm. And women in particular shoulder most of that burden. And I'm grateful that, you know, I offer a service that can support them in this incredibly mm -hmm. rough time. But I do believe that we've taken couple, a couple generations steps back here in terms of where we are in the workforce. Mm -hmm. um, what I mean by that is, you know, you hear a lot about um, women exiting the workforce. Yes. And I think most people would assume that it may be certain demographics or certain um, roles and responsibilities, and it's not. We have mm. seen it across every demographic. Every socioeconomic uh, strata. Every single, yeah. yes, yes. Where, where the women are they're they're wearing out, right? I mean, there's just so much responsibility. They're just exhausted. Yeah. And they're not getting out of their homes often because they're in their home. They work for a big company, but they're doing this at home. And their children are being, you know, d going to school online. I mean, you know, that's a lot of responsibility. Everything is right there. And, you know, I we see that men don't always do their share of what has to be done. So these women are just waving a white flag, right? A lot, you know, a they lot are. Of they yeah. are. And I, I, like I said, I'm grateful that we've been there to support as much as we can, but we're not the panacea. No. I think there needs to be a much more global look mm -hmm. about what's happening. Mm -hmm. And what we have also seen is that um, stereotypes have been magnified hmm. during this pandemic. Also, so that women are being leaned on even more you know, uh, their spouses or their partners are either unable uh, to step up or aren't necessarily even being asked. Um, and because women assume that they can do it all because they have been doing it all. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's okay to ask for help when you need it. it and I think okay. if anything, this yeah. yeah, if anything this pandemic has taught us, yeah. it's like ask for help when you need it. But we don't do that very well. I don't know about you. I don't ask for help very well. I'm pretty independent and uh, <laughs> we can ask for help and people will help yes. us, you know, but we don't often do it, but we have to, right? 
Absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. I know personally, I'm a single working mom. There's no way I would have survived this pandemic without my own company. There's no way. And without my village. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all have our own village. We all craft it however we, mm-hmm. we, we need to. But I think it's so important to lean on those that love you yes. during this time. Indeed. Well said. You believe that this pandemic is a time for women and men, for that matter, uh, to become entrepreneurs. There's an opportunity for them to do Amen. so right now. Talk about yes. that. I think this there's a huge opportunity out there for people to really seize their dreams. Okay, the pandemic has allowed all of us to look internally about what's truly important to us. Mm-hmm. Now, how can you capitalize on it? How can you live that? How can you embody that every day through entrepreneurism? Like start a business that reflects that passion. Yes. And you can start it anywhere. It doesn't have to be on either coast. I mean, we're headquartered in Land Lakes, Wisconsin. Yeah. That's a town of less than a thousand people in the North Woods. Yeah. There's no reason why everybody can do this. Everybody yes. really can. Everybody can. They just have to have not only the passion perseverance. You have to have money. We'll talk about that. But you have to have the guts, you know, just yes. just do it. Stop thinking about it and do it. Right, yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Really positive. I hope we see this. I think we will, uh, that women say, you know, I, I this is, it's, t- it's my time to start this business, you know, and she can work from anywhere and uh, go for it. There are a lot of resources there are a lot of resources out there. Um, in particular, a lot of states have invested a lot of time in building up grants and low-interest loans to help entrepreneurs start businesses in communities that have been hit the hardest mm-hmm. during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Land Lakes, which is where our call center is, yes. hadn't seen a major employer in 15 years. Ever since the paper mill, the local paper mill left, left mm-hmm. there hadn't been um, a major employer. And now they have us, a technology company. Mm-hmm. And we were able to go there because of broadband. So one of the other things this pandemic has done is really focused the need on accessible internet service everywhere. You can't have learning from home or working from home if you don't have an infrastructure. Thankfully, Land Lakes, Wisconsin, this little tiny community, put money into broadband, more money into broadband. This is a community that would fight about a snowplow, but they put money into broadband so that a company like mine would show up and do business there. And Mm -hmm. we are. Mm -hmm. And I think that is, I think, um, when you look at look around about how you can make a difference, supporting entrepreneurs, I think, is one of the most powerful ways that you can mm-hmm. because they bring, you know, money not only from the employees that they hire, mm-hmm. but there's that trickle out effect. Right. You know, we now have a grocery store there. Right. You know, the gas station's doing great. The there are jobs, tackle shop. You know, there yep. are jobs. There are people that are contributing to the tax base. Uh, why do why are you in Land of Lakes? Land of Lakes, you are uh, in Chicago, right? Well, um, my father was in road construction for years, okay. and his um, the area that he worked was northern Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And road construction season, um, everybody would say there's like two seasons in Wisconsin. 
you know, road yeah. construction is one of them. And, you know, snowmobiling <laughs> like is Ohio. the other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, so we um, would often vacation up there as a family so we could be close to him. So we'd stay at this resort, which is still there, run by a wonderful family. It's called Sunrise Lodge. And we, um, and I got to know the community very well. So when I became a mom, um, even though at the time I was in Chicago, I knew that I wanted my baby to have open spaces to mm-hmm. run around in and just to be, to be free. Mm-hmm. And so I bought a little cabin. And one day when I was driving um, around, I heard on the radio that there was this organization up there called Eye on Entrepreneurship. I'm like, what? There are entrepreneurs up here? <laughs> and I drove into this little like strip mall and I talked to this gentleman, Carl Rudebush, and, and he informed me that the local economic development committee had set aside um, some space and some time to attract entrepreneurs. I'm like, oh, yes, here we go. I'd much rather, you know, have a business that, that can support people in a meaningful way in a community like Land O'Lakes than anywhere else. And so that's why. That's cool. I want to talk about your, uh, your son and uh, when you adopted him, but uh, let's spend a minute talking about something you and I both have, and that's perseverance, um, how this has helped you. Uh, why do you think it's important to entrepreneurs? Um, did a little bit of research on you. You said, and I'll quote from another interview, uh, you said, days will get dark and you'll want to give up, but don't. To quote a famous fish, just keep swimming. <laughs> you remember <Yes>. saying that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, partly because Finding Nemo was like on the, you know, rewind, oh, sure. rewrite, repeat, yeah. repeat, repeat, repeat in the house for so long. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just keep so, me. yeah, Perse- perseverance, how, how, you know, and I had that. I mean, it, there are days where you're just like, why am I doing this? What am I doing? Where's the, where's the passion that I started? And, and you just, you just have to keep going. You get up and you do it again and, and know that tomorrow might be better or should be better. Next week will be. So uh, talk about that. I think one of the reasons, well, I know the primary reason that my company is alive after 20 some years is because I just love the people who I work with so much Mm. and it's not just about me. And I also love what we do um, for others. And if I give up, then, you know, the laundry isn't going to get picked up in New Jersey. You know, the kids aren't going to get to school in California. Mm. You know, the roads aren't going to, you know, the driveway isn't going to be plowed up in South Dakota. Like there's a trickle effect. Mm -hmm. And, um, but even sometimes knowing that it is really hard to, to keep going, especially uh, at the beginning of this pandemic, I lost two huge accounts. Mm. Um, one was healthcare, one was retail. Mm. And I was like, how am I going to keep 
feeding these folks. Mm. And what got me through was them. Um, we came up with this idea to start providing our services to first responders mm. right when the pandemic hit because mm-hmm. we figured they needed our services the most. Yeah. And that would feed our spirits, mm. you know, and that would allow us to keep the team um, that suddenly was without work working. Mm. And, and we knew that if we did this, you know, eventually things would get better. And they did. I mean, Mm -hmm. Congress passed a law, the PPP saved our butts, you know, it really did. So that's how you were funded then. You lost the two accounts, the retail and the healthcare, but you replenished it through providing to first responders and it was the PPP uh, that that funded it for you? Yep. Okay. It was, it was. Um, And then that has since led us to... Um, expand our charitable efforts. Um, and we uh, helped Rush Medical Center, for example, mm-hmm. still in the process of helping Rush Medical Centers. Mm-hmm. They were at the heart of it in Chicago mm-hmm. um, and uh, helping those nurses and doctors on their front line. And then it just kind of snowballed into us really evolving the organization. Um, so it can be 100% remote and accessible from anywhere, anytime. And that, that those who need us the most can easily access it. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Uh, that's wonderful to hear. Um, you are a single working mom. Uh, you adopted a son, Max, from Haiti in 2008 as a baby, right? Right. And uh, you are passionate about, I want to talk about your son and your decision to do that, but um, we want to talk about your passion to give back for the the Haitian Foundation um, and what you've learned about Haiti, but talk about your decision to have your son Max, and uh, d- despite the fact that you are a single parent, uh, you decided to do this. Actually, um, I always knew that I really, really wanted a family, mm. and I think um, so. To get super personal, after a very long-term relationship ended, mm. I was more sad. I realized I was more sad about not building a family mm. than I was about necessarily losing him. Okay. So um, I went on a, a trip to Africa. Uh, we spent time in Soweto at an HIV-positive orphanage volunteering, um, and I was with a bunch of entrepreneurs. Hmm. And when I knew nothing, honestly, about HIV until I went to Africa and spent time at this, at this orphanage and within this community that was really helping um, these babies. And I decided, you know, I, this is how I'm going to grow my family. Hmm. Um, There are governing ordinances about adoption. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to adopt directly from that particular orphanage um, in South Africa, just because there wasn't a relationship Mm -hmm. between the United States and South Africa at that time. But I was able to find in the United States, and unfortunately, this organization is no longer with us, an organization that did specialize in placing HIV positive babies Mm. in families because they normally don't get placed. They just don't. Most, 
you know, but, and, and it is sad, but, um, uh, that's how I was matched with Max. Okay. Interestingly enough, while both of his parents were HIV positive, Max ended up rejecting the antibodies. And so by the time I got him home and tested, he doesn't have it. You know, he's a, he's a, you know, he had some other health issues because he was exposed to tuberculosis um, and he had severe asthma for years, but he's really growing out of all of his health challenges. Mm -hmm. You know, I attribute that to the power of love. Fantastic. And he's 12, 13 now? He's 12, very active 12-year-old. And anybody who has been homeschooling with 12-year-olds knows that it's been a particularly (laughs) difficult time. (laughs) I've heard stories. Yeah, my kids are grown, but I'm sure, yeah. Tell me about the Haitian Foundation. Uh, I assume that the adoption of Max uh, maybe led to your passion here. And what? tell me about the foundation and, and what it does. So I was chair for seven years. I am no longer chair, but I stumbled into that accidentally after the traumatic earthquake. So I brought mm-hmm. Max home November and the earthquake happened in January. And it was then um, because how, how adoption works in Haiti is that you meet your baby and you go back multiple times until you're able to bring your baby home. And so I, on those multiple trips, I became very familiar with the organization that was entrusted with this care. It's a beautiful organization, FUJ, Foundation on Jesus. And it's been run by the same family, the Duncans, for generations. Mm -hmm. And they're Haitians. And they're all about um, creating economic uh, sustainability in Haiti Mm -hmm. to keep families together. To keep them strong, the, the orphanage is just the last, you know, kind of very last recourse. Their primary focus is on empowering women to start their own businesses mm. there, um, and to keep those family units strong and to create more of an economic engine in certain communities. It's a beautiful organization. I highly recommend it. You know, mm. uh, putting you know, any financial dollars you have there. But for Max, um, uh, that connection, you know, I thought was important to continue so that he understood what a beautiful, vibrant, rich history he comes from. So much of what we hear about Haiti in the Western world is very, very negative. Yes. Very negative. But the... Uh, before the Duvals and the Papadocs, Haiti was at the epicenter of arts and music and culture in the Caribbean. And it was only because of dictatorship hmm. um, and severe corruption that that disintegrated. And even before that, it was the first 100% you know, um, African-run nation. I mean, it revolted against colonialism. I mean, it is an incredible story. I really recommend people hmm. uh, take the time and uh, and read more, more about, about Haiti. Haiti. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great advice. I, I will be doing that. Um, our country has been through a lot in the last year. 
with the pandemic, it's really transformed our world and affected really every aspect of our lives. Um, yet also, since the George Floyd murder in our country, uh, it's put a spotlight on racism uh, in the U.S. And you have a young son from Haiti, and I read mm -hmm. your blog post in which you said um, that you and your son have experienced some pretty overt racism, uh, and you say it's time to move on toward real action and, and the hard work involved in racial justice. I'm done with platitudes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've been spit on in the streets. Mm. We have, um, there is a small um, outlet of the KKK up near where our cabin is, um, where a gentleman has likes to walk around in his hood and people think it's free speech. Um, I don't think it's free speech. I think no. it's hate speech. And I think there's a huge difference. Um, I think it's important. People always ask me, well, what can I do? Especially my white friends, you know, I'm a white mama of a black son mm -hmm. and it's been so eye-opening for me because, um, you know, injustice and inequity is in everything, everything, everywhere we go. Mm -hmm. Um, he has been, been denied access to bathrooms when I haven't been. Oh, God. I mean, it, and people think that we are, uh, you know, post-racial, that's bullshit. Um, we have a long, long, long ways to go. And I still believe that the majority of us are good-hearted, wonderful human beings with souls that want to shine through and do the right thing. But if you see somebody being treated unjustly, I think it's your responsibility to say something, to step up and say something. Yeah. You know, we've your responsibility been, and your obligation to speak up. Yeah. But most people don't. No, like when we're shoved or when we are, you know, and when people talk in a derogatory tone to us, people just turn the other way. Yeah. They walk they, away. They just they turn away, they walk away. And it's I don't think it's because they're bad people. I just just don't think they know what to do. And um, there's some really interesting um, classes out there about how to be an anti-racist um, and to take and and how to take mo much more of an active role in, in even your tiny, tiny actions. So if you see somebody um, if it's if it's escalated to a point of violence, the best thing you can do is just distract. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to engage with violence, but you do want to distract mm -hmm. um, from and hopefully help deescalate that situation. Um, I do encourage people to take the time to do some self-reflection and some 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 reading and how they can support support their fellow humans mm -hmm. during this incredibly yeah. um, transitional period in our history. Yeah. What do you hope for Max as he becomes an adult? What kind of world do you hope, do you wish for him to live in? Number one, I want him to live as a black man and as a yeah. young black man um, in the city of Chicago. Mm. You know, I, some, I often feel like he has a target on his back. 
But I feel that target is magnified sometimes when we go into the predominantly, if not all white community up in Northern Wisconsin, where my business is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, If you don't know us, if you don't know me and Max, then you jump to assumptions Mm -hmm. and, and that scares me, especially because it's a concealed stick carry state. Mm -hmm. God forbid he's entering my car and people think he's breaking into it. Yeah. So I want him to live first and foremost. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I hear you. Um, on and uh, there's a lot that we could learn, and I, I feel like we're going to see changes. I don't. Will it be enough? I I don't know. Um, but uh, the spotlight has never been bigger on the issue than it is now. Which is why I think it's all of our moral imperative to keep to keep moving forward. So my courageous, brave, intelligent son has an opportunity to live into his own purpose. Mm -hmm. You had a, uh, and I'll move on to another subject. We could probably spend the next hour talking about that one. But I, you know, in the interest of uh, leading she and, uh, you know, successful women, just the stories I think are sometimes the best. And there was a story you told me about when you learned that you had given responsibility to someone to direct the company, kind of run the company when you weren't there, and it was not a culture fit, uh, wasn't working out. Uh, talk about what you learned and what you decided to do. That would talk, tell the story. Yeah. So I think some of the biggest mistakes I've made with the company has to do with pe- putting people in the wrong roles. hmm and, or hiring or bringing people into the organization that didn't fit our culture. Mm-hmm. We're a highly empathetic company. Yeah, you have to be. And, and um, I had a pretty significant health scare um, a couple of years ago, which required me to be um, incapacitated. I, was, I had three surgeries within nine months. And so I was not physically able to be at the helm of my organization, which is, you know, you know, as a control freak telling me to let go and give it up. That was, I mean, that was more of an ordeal than what I went through at the doctor's office. So I understand your health's uh, okay now. Oh yes. Good. I'm great. I'm Good. fantastic. Yeah. Very healthy. Um, but um, women, that's another little heads up. Do not neglect your body, you know, your bodies. I mean, please stay on top of those doctor's visits. They're right. so important. And but listen, anyhow, listen to your body. They talk, they talk to you. Yes, <laughs> they do in the subtlest yes. ways listen. until they become clarion calls. And then <laughs> right. some, oftentimes that can be a little too late, but um, I did um, turn over um, the helm temporarily to an individual that um, that did not have that empathetic spirit or soul. Mm-hmm. And because of that, um, they were pretty consistently disparaging mm. to their direct reports. And that trickled down and throughout the organization creating somewhat of a cancer within, Mm -hmm. you know, as I was dealing with my cancer without, they were dealing with a cancer within. And I didn't realize how it magnified 
because nobody wanted to share. Everybody was being very protective of me, which I really, really respected. And I loved that, but, um, it, I should have taken more time to, to really make sure the culture fit was there. The person Mm -hmm. was incredibly capable. Yeah incredibly capable, incredible. I would argue much more brilliant than I am, Hmm. but the culture fit almost destroyed the company. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that. I think as an entrepreneur, that is probably the mistake I've made. I made the most and we all make mistakes as entrepreneurs. And that is assuming that a person is a good fit for a job or really wanting them to be a good fit for the job or saying they're really smart. So they'll be good the job. Yes. And, and intelligence is only one aspect, right? So you're out, you know, taking care of your health and this person's in running the company. How did you find out that it wasn't working out? Um, two long-term employees of mine who are actually consider friends and family, uh, who I actually do consider family, brought it to my attention when everybody realized that I was kind of like out of the woods. But they really didn't even need to say anything because I could feel it. Mm. I mean, I think, I think when you're, um, when it's, when you've started something from scratch, when you've nurtured it, when you've, you have like a, the sixth sense yes. about it. And I knew I just, uh, was slower to react than I should have been. Mm. And well, I you think were that with your health. Right. And so, but we do have an instinct, uh, a sixth sense about our businesses or children. And this is your baby. It's your firstborn, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true what they say. You need to hire slow, fire fast. Yes. I just should have yeah. fired it's like fast. It's not working. But, you know, if she only this, if he only, yes. you know, if, if, if we just... But it's just, you know, we don't, we want it to work so badly, you know, and, and it, uh, just and then you start doubting yourself yeah. like, oh, well, maybe I'm no longer a good fit because yes. yeah. I had so much faith in, in this person's intelligence yeah. and I, she, she still is incredibly bright. Mm-hmm. She just wasn't for us. Wasn't for you. Yeah. Uh, we'll wrap up here. I just have a question or two here for you. Um, this has been great. Um, you share my practice of uh, meditation and um, mm-hmm. how has meditation helped you deal with your business, your life? What's your practice? How long have you done it? Uh, what, do, what do you do? So I suffer from extreme anxiety attacks at times, panic attacks. Mm-hmm. And if for any of you who have ever had one, it feel like your heart is going to explode out of your chest and, mm-hmm. or you're going to for me, they come on when I'm either driving or flying or, or you know, when I'm either um, and in Chicago, this is a very bad thing because um, there are traffic jams everywhere. And that's when they hit me oh, perfect. <laughs> in yeah. the middle of a traffic right jam. Right in the middle of, of <laughs> Get out of your car like, hey, I'm going to take a break here. <laughs> right, right. I mean, uh, and um, I think it's because I'm such a control freak that suddenly when you take that control away from me, whether it's flying or in my car, uh, I wig out. But I don't wig out as much as I used to because of meditation. That mm-hmm. constant daily practice. It's been slow. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, I mean, it's like grains of sand slow. Yes. But I do believe that that 
if there if you can have one constant in your life, that constant meditation practice can be a huge game changer in terms of not only did it help me with my panic attacks and my ability to fly, um, and it's and it also helped me just be a better leader, you know, mm, yeah. not be so reactionary. I'm such a passionate person as is. Mm-hmm. Um, that can often get in your way. I mean, you can often be thought of as scary or intimidating because you're coming at somebody because you're just like, but you don't understand. This is so important right now. (laughs) But that practice of meditation allows you to take that breath before you. Yes. You know, jump in. Yeah, I do it too. Uh, and and people say, I don't know how to do it. I, I sit there and I think I'm doing it wrong. You know, <laughs> and, and you know, if you just I sit with a candle, sometimes I use music, sometimes I write, sometimes I don't, but I just breathe. I try to keep my mind quiet for ten or fifteen minutes. Sometimes a half an hour I do it. And you know, no matter what happens in my day, you know, I feel like I can handle it better. I, I, oh yeah, my gosh. Yeah. But it does work, but I, I have yet to master being able to keep my mind quiet. Like this morning I was like, oh my gosh, I have to take my kid's temperature before he goes to school. <laughs> like that, you know, yeah. like yeah. that like floats in and right. then, then you like observe it and you let it float let it out. Go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just let it float out. Um, for me, um, Apps like Headspace and Insight Timer Mm -hmm. were great ways to get me kicked off. Yeah. So if you're looking at for a starting point or calm, calm, I have. Yeah, I have calm and Insight Timer. Those are good to get you started. I don't use guided meditation as much. I use music, and I have some other, you know, inspirational meditation uh, areas too. But um, yeah, it's been it's helped me. Full transparency, I started on Headspace because I like the guy's voice so much. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Good voice, yeah. huh? <laughs> Very good voice. Okay. <laughs> it's the kind you put on your GPS. You know, I like the British guy, you know, on yes. GPS, right? <laughs> I have an Aussie on mine. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. yes. I understand. <laughs> Let me just say. Uh, we'll end with a uh, last question. Uh, what's ne- what's next for you? What's next in the next five, 10 years? Oh, it's so funny. I used to always answer pre pre pandemic. I used to always answer that. Oh, world domination. Yes. <laughs> now it is about, all right. As long as I can continue to have a positive impact, you know, I think that is fulfilling in mm. and of itself. I've just uh, readjusted and refocused Um, while having my 12 year old in a cabin with me for nine months because was, Mm. you know, we almost started to cannibalize each other. We were (laughs) going so insane. Um, It did make me realize how much when we didn't want to kill each other, we really enjoyed each other. Mm -hmm. And Prior to all of the pandemic, I was on airplanes all the time. Yeah. And I'm readjusting. I will not be on an airplane all the time unless Mm -hmm. I'm taking him with, you know, Mm -hmm. and we're going on adventures together. Uh, I am very thankful that he's starting to go back into the classroom and into school. My life is becoming more sane. Yes. So (laughs) the immediate future is definitely going to be about enjoying some quietness. Yes. For sure. Yeah. (laughs) I understand. Uh, I understand. 
Marsha, it's been great to get to know you. It's been great to host you on the podcast, and I just uh, enjoy your positive energy. I relate to a lot of what you have to say, and thank you. Well, thanks, Susan, and go out and start a business yourself again. Oh, yeah. You've done it before. Do it again. Well, Come on, it's we leading need she. That's we need my you. that's my business. I'm actually bringing in some sponsorship money now. I'm not gonna, <gasps> covering some yeah, costs, yeah. but um, yeah, it's a little project of mine. Um, well, that is, so. let's have it explode. So yeah. You can motivate and encourage more women to get out there. I love it. I can do it. It's, it'll be a hobby and it's not going to be full time. It'll be uh, kind of a part time little hobby of mine, but I'm uh, really, really enjoying it. But I, I don't want to own a big, you know, like a business that requires my full time energy anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's overrated. Yes. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it is. Well, thank you. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Take I care. appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leading She. Please check out many other Leading She episodes, which are wonderful. We discuss challenges these accomplished women have overcome in their careers. Please subscribe to this podcast and rate it and review it. Follow Leading She on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And visit our website, leadingshe.com, where we have ideas and wisdom for women leaders.